Welcome to Forecast, the foreshadow podcast seeking glimpses of heaven on earth through conversations about people's lives and work. Foreshadow is a spirituality literary magazine rooted in the Christian faith, and this podcast explores the themes on foreshadow more deeply and in a deep, different format. This season, our theme is called Forth, Vocation and Faith, asking who we are called to become and what we are called to do. I'm Josh, and today I'm really pleased and, and just happy to be joined by my old friend from seminary, Will Berry. Um, it's been 10 years since we've last seen each other. So, um, Will, great to see you again. Yeah, it's good to see you too, Josh. Thanks for having me. Today we'll be talking about Rich Mullins, um, who was an American singer-songwriter, uh, best known for his worship songs Awesome God and Sometimes by Step. He had a long he had a strong commitment to living out the gospel in love and service to the poor and the brokenhearted as well as his um, gifts in, in 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 writing and performing music. On September 19th, 1997, he tragically died in an automobile accident. So last month marked the 25th anniversary of his death. So today, Will and I will be uh, focusing our conversation on Rich Mullins, a few of his songs, and on vocation. Um, and I'd like to introduce our listeners to you, Will. But before doing that, I just want to share a, a brief story about how um, you came to mind when mm -hmm. putting this episode together. When we first um, met each other, um, the first few days of meeting each other in seminary, I remember you picked me up from the airport. You had a sign with my name. And, and we <laughs> drove from Indianapolis to Richmond on the eastern side of Indiana. Um, and incidentally, Richmond is where Rich Mullins was born and, and lived for, for some of his life. Um, and I guess one of those early days we went, to, I think it was Hobby Lobby in the eastern mm -hmm. side of uh, Richmond. We were kind of getting maybe supplies for our, our the semester. And you 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 brought out this album of music by Rich Mullins and you told me I needed mm -hmm. to listen to him, um, his album called Songs. And so I listened to that and I really, I really enjoyed it and um, connected with a lot of the songs. Um, so that's, uh, and, and you told me, Will, that you had been a, a really kind of a, just a, you loved his music a lot. And mm, yeah. um, I, I remember you speaking about him in one of our, um, kind of the, one of the um, gatherings at our seminary before we um, we ate a meal together. I remember we were, we were sharing thoughts and you shared your, your own connection with him. So before we talk about Rich Mullins though, I wanted to introduce our listeners to you, Will. So if you could just tell us a little bit about yourself, what you do, your family life, and, and also maybe a little bit about how you understand your calling, because that's our theme for the season is, is vocation. So how does that look in your life? Absolutely. Thanks, Josh. Man, I, uh, I forgot, not forgotten, but all that stuff was in, in a, in a place in my mind that was far enough back, you know, as, as you were, as you were saying all of that, I was visually remembering it all. So thanks. Thanks for sharing that. Uh, it's good to be reminded of that time. Uh, so I am, uh, I'm an Episcopal priest. I serve in uh, the Diocese of Lexington, Kentucky. Uh, I live in Lexington, which is the second largest uh, city in Kentucky, uh, with my wife and our 11-month-old son, um, as well as our three cats, um, which are an important part of the family <laughs> as well. 
uh, I've been a priest now for, oh gosh, probably about three years, three plus years. Um, I've had a, a long and, and winding journey uh, through several traditions, including uh, Quakerism, which brought me to the Earlham School of Religion, where we met uh, in uh, 2011. Uh, and uh, while I was while I was there, went through some deep kind of soul searching and um, ended up back in North Carolina, where I went to college and kind of globbing onto this idea of vocation that I, I, I felt called to something, but I was I was having a really hard time articulating it. And um, I became a musician for a while. I played in uh, bars and coffee shops and restaurants and weddings. And uh, I met my wife uh, playing music and we performed together. Uh, mm. We were we were bandmates okay. um, before we started dating. Uh, and um, at some point, there's this, this strange uh, crossover between the work I was doing. I was working in campus ministry at the time. Uh, there's a strange crossover between that work and the music I was playing because it would be, you know, 11, 12 o'clock at night on a Friday or a Saturday after I had, um, you know, played a, a set of music. And, um, you know, my the, the original music I would write had a lot of themes of, of faith. And so people would, would come up and, and talk to me about that. And so we'd have these conversations about vocation, about what they were feeling called to, about uh, their sense of God. And it was just totally uh, unexpected. And so I started praying and discerning if maybe I was called uh, back into ordained ministry, which I kind of felt like maybe was not my call. Um, and so, you know, one thing led to another. And here I am. Uh, several years later, uh, a priest in the Episcopal Church. So it's been a it's been a very fascinating journey. Um, mm -hmm. I recently read a book. I think you would appreciate this author. His name is um, Donald Alkin, A. M. Alkin. Uh, he is an English uh, priest who uh, has since passed away, but um, his academic interest was in um, comparative religion, but also uh, in uh, Welsh poetry, and so he was a—he was actually a scholar of the Welsh poetic tradition. Hmm. And in the intro to that book, he wrote about how priesthood and poetry are really the same thing, because he said that you know both a priest and a poet look for what is good that is latent in the world, and then lift that good thing up and celebrate it for the life of other people, just like hmm. a priest lifts up the bread, you know, during communion. And <clears throat> I read that when I was in seminary and it just, a uh, a light bulb went off for me, um, you know, as a musician and as, you know, a kid who used to write, write poetry. And so there was such a, a profound connection, um, for me. And so that, that really helped me understand my vocation. So that's, that's when people ask me what I do. Uh, I say, I bless, I bless people and I bless creation. That's, that's my job. And I love it. Wow, that's yeah, that's really profound. And um, one of the songs that we will talk about, um, calling out your name, I think <clears throat> really illustrates what you just mentioned. Um, I'm just wondering if there's any. I'm I'm just fascinated by the connection between the music and the and the poetry and your priesthood, and how it's and it's really um, fascinating how um, it was through your making music and 
sharing that and, and I guess connecting with others on that level that kind mm -hmm. of led you to to um, becoming a priest um, and thinking about Rich Mullins as well how he 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 wasn't ordained but he also had this kind of um, connection with people um, mm -hmm. through his service of them and and also of course his uh, he, he was a he was a poet and he was a, a psalmist we might might, might say yeah. a modern modern day really? psalmist um, and so that's just an interesting connection. But um, thank you for describing that. And, ma and maybe if you could now tell us about um, your um, connection with Rich Mullins. Uh, I know you, you probably don't think you met him, but um, just how you first came to hear of his music uh, and and how, yeah, and, and, and what connected you to his music. So um, I wonder if this is true for you. So growing up in, in, youth group in you know the the late 90s early 2000s two of our staple songs were you know yeah our god is an awesome god and step by sometimes step by step and so you know i knew those those songs from uh, a pretty a pretty early age um but i never i never listened to any of his other music nor did i know uh much about his life until i was a, a senior in high school and my choir director um, gave me this book that she thought I'd really like uh, called The Ragamuffin Gospel by by Brendan Manning, who was a, a big time mentor of Rich Mullins. And so I, I got really fascinated by by Brendan Manning and his work around um, kind of the, the tenderness of God. Uh, he really globbed on to that image of, of Jesus calling God Abba or Father. And in his writings, he talked about this musician who he was um, good friends with and, and kind of mentored, uh, and it was Rich Mullins. Mm, and okay. so I ended up uh, going to college at a small Quaker college um, in North Carolina, and uh, Rich Mullins was actually raised Quaker. Uh, he attended as a child Arba Friends meeting, <clears throat> which is probably about, say for about 30 minutes outside of Richmond, <clears throat> excuse me. And so uh, I had found that connection. Um, and so I started, I had started reading about him uh, and I picked up this book about his life. And I just, I really connected with this sense of um, what, what Henry Nowen would describe as, as being a wounded healer. Um, there's a sense of uh, approaching his own brokenness in a really loving and charitable way. Um, you know, he, he did kind of have like a self-deprecating sense of humor, which I, I have had myself <laughs> over the, over the years. And so I connected with that as well. Um, but I just, I really connected with just how he, uh, not only how he wrote music, but also just how he approached, um, faith, you know, later on in his life, uh, he went and he, he taught music on a, on a native American, uh, reservation. And a lot of people were asking him, you know, did you, did you go to, to convert, you know, the Native Americans? And he said, no, I went because I was tired of a, a white evangelical perspective on faith. And I thought maybe if I could find Christ anywhere, I could find him among the Native Americans. And <laughs> that was really, really profound. Um, mm. He was, he was always, he was always seeking, um, not only his his you know his vocation, but he was always he was always seeking seeking God, 
And um, that just really drew me to him. What also drew me to him was uh, his love for the Franciscan tradition, uh, for living uh, simply. Uh, you know, he started out in Quakerism, but later in life was really drawn to Catholicism. Um, and so like me, he had kind of had a, a pretty wide ecumenical journey. Um, also just really resonated with his, his struggle with loneliness. Um, and from, from what I can tell, anxiety and, and depression and how he would channel that into his music in a really raw and authentic way um, that I think connected with, with a lot of people. Um, so he's, he's sort of, <laughs> I used to call him my patron saint. And I think in, in some ways he still is. He's someone I really, really admire his, his life and his work. Mm, yes. Thank you. Um, just, a, I was, as you were describing that and how he, he channeled that into his music, I, um, I'm, I, I didn't plan to ask you this, but are you still writing music? Are, are you still making music? I am. So uh, not as much as I used to. Um, at this point in my life, music is kind of a spiritual discipline. So, you know, when I'm at church, uh, I'll usually go in every day and play the piano mm. um, and play some hymns or uh, service music. We have service music in the Episcopal Church. Um and so, yeah, it's been, it's probably been a couple of months since I've written anything, but yeah, I, I still do that. Um, you know, yeah. life, life has gotten busy, but it's still, yeah, still something I do. Yeah. yeah. And I was wondering if, has Rich Mullins music influenced your songwriting at all? And, and if yeah. so, how, how, if you can identify how it has. Absolutely. Um, and I, and I think you, you hear this and, and we'll, we'll talk about this song in a, in a few minutes, uh, calling out your name. Um, the way that he is so uh, descriptive of, of place in that song, he he talks about um, the keeper of the plains, which I didn't realize is actually um, like a, a, a statue. <laughs> um, uh, and and just the way that he describes it. So his, his kind of his attention uh, to detail. Um, yeah. And also what I, what I would say is, is, <laughs> I'm not sure he would use this language, but but recognizing the transcendent and the in the mundane, you know, yeah. recognize the the sacred and the secular was kind of a hallmark of his music, mm -hmm. and that's mm -hmm. something that I've always tried to tried to do as well. Um, you know, the people I was talking to when I was out there playing music, most of those people were, you know, what you'll call unchurched or or spiritual but not religious mm. um, people with a really a deep sense of something uh, beyond themselves, yeah. but. Um, a lot of baggage around uh, traditional religious language. Mm. And I think he he was able to speak to some of those folks as well. Yeah, that's an interesting point because <clears throat> as you mentioned, there's a lot of references in that song um, to these yeah landscapes, this um, statue that people who live there will recognize and and also just the more general descriptions that he gives in the song, people who live there will feel that connection. And even if they're not Christians or um or don't um, have the same uh, understanding of God as he had. I think that's a that's a, they can still connect to his music because of that. He's not just um, li like a, a lot of worship songs are just talking about the spiritual uh, aspects of God and 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 God's love and mercy and praise. But his music, his lyrics, um, kind of uh, marry both the spiritual and the physical. Yeah. I think, and in a really in a really well done way. Um, a really poetic way that even if you can't relate to the spiritual 
perhaps you can get there th by the bridge of the the physical mm. descriptions perhaps mm. yeah, yeah. and yeah so but, and then yeah we should go into that song talk about the song um but just one other thing you mentioned about his loneliness and um i was listening to a video that in which uh, mullins was saying describing how um how it hurts maybe he says maybe it hurts to be called by god and um <laughs> he, he was talking about um um well first he was talking about that famous quote that your calling is where your deep gladness um meets the world's deep need but he he really had an interesting kind of twist on it and saying that maybe it's in his it's almost as if he's saying it's where his deep pain meets um mm -hmm. meets wow. with god because he was describing his loneliness and his um search for um ho holiness and how difficult mm -hmm. that's been for him and yet he said instead of running away from the pain of that he has found that um if he goes through that pain he he thinks that mm -hmm. he can find god there and I, that to me seemed wow. and i don't know very much about him but um for the little i do know it seems that that he did seem to have a lot of um pain in in that regard and yet he was able to be as you as you mentioned he was i think you said he was very vulnerable about that um he, he was a wounded healer that's a good image for that he you could see his wounds through the things he was saying but he was also like in many ways he had kind of kind of almost triumphed over it in some way through his relationship with god i mean i'm sure he was still wrestling with it um as we all are with whatever we are um, wrestling with but he seemed to perhaps put a name to it which was one mm. uh, one thing um as well as just through his relationship with god it seems that he was um yeah and he was able to find a way to to not run away from it but to um um i guess maybe to embrace it in some way and mm. and, and be healed in some way because of that so i could I, I i agree with what you've said and i i saw that too in some of the things i've heard about him yeah absolutely and i i think that that speaks to him really well and you can even see i mean when you watch these old videos of him at concerts i mean you can see in his eyes just this this depth but also i, I think a real a real loneliness and um that sense of loneliness of and of longing is actually a long uh tradition within uh contemplative prayer and contemplative christianity um you know the, St. John of the Cross and others talked about the dark night of the soul. And it's sort of only, only when we recognize either the absence of God or the, the disconnect between our longing for God and our, you know, at times experience of God, um, entering that, that heavy weighted space actually becomes a doorway <laughs> to, to experiencing God. And um, they always framed it in terms of, of entering in through the wounds of, of Jesus, that Jesus's wounds um, are actually an invitation for us to uh, embrace our own wounds as well. And I think that that was really a big part of Rich's life and story. Uh, yes, that's, that's interesting. I, I hadn't thought of that because Jesus had experienced the depths of um, despair <laughs> and, and death and he and he conquered it, and so anything that we experience, it's kind of he's Jesus has has shares with that uh, shares that experience with us, and um, um, and 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 we can find healing through 
following Christ through that, and as, as because He's already gone through that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's talk about. So yeah, so now we'll, we'll talk about a, a few songs I, I wanted to um, bring up as much as we have time for. The first yeah. um, was calling out your name, and as we mentioned, um, uh, I think this really illustrates well what you were saying about um, the priesthood that that we are all called to in in the sense of um, of uh, blessing the world and offering the world whatever we have up to god and i think he does that well through describing um uh, a lot of these um these the the landscape the 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 animals that live there like the mm -hmm. the single hawk bursts into flight um, mm -hmm. and in the east the whole horizon is in flames um and a line that i i really connect with is I can feel the earth tremble beneath the rumbling of the buffalo hooves and the fury mm. in the pheasant's wings. Mm. Um, and there's fury in the pheasant's wings. It tells me the Lord is in his temple. Um, there's something really primal about that, I think. And because um, I, I, I hadn't really heard pheasant's wings until um, mm. moving to England. And there are lots of pheasants around where I live. And <laughs> yeah, there's yeah. just something about the the rustling of their, their wings and the fury. Fury is a really... A good word to describe it um that just yeah kind of harkens back to something really deep and i think he's uh getting at that um and he's kind of like using that as a, a gateway into a deeper mystery of god and his mm -hmm. temple um mm -hmm. and th but then but then just the the the, re the repeating line in this song is the here the prairies are calling out god's name and then in the ending and with the prairies i am calling out your mm -hmm. name so um mm -hmm. I'm probably, I'm probably, you, you, this is probably what things that you want to talk about as well. Oh, no. So, um, <laughs> but yeah, to me, it's, it's kind of like he is seeing, he's interpreting um, the landscape, praising God, yeah. and he's joining in that praise. Um, and, 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 in, and through writing about that, that itself is um, him living into that priestly vocation of praising, offering it to, to God in praise. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's hard not to geek out about this one a little bit because it's my favorite song of his. Ah, okay. Uh, and it's also, it's also what I would probably describe as his most Franciscan song. Hmm. Um, so he was very fascinated with the life of St. Francis of Assisi and actually uh, in his later, later life, um, he had kind of a, a small neo-monastic community if you will uh and they call themselves the kid brothers of saint frank <laughs> and, which i thought was awesome yeah um but yeah so i mean t touching exactly on what you were saying um you know richard Rohr in his book about um living and, and loving the alternative way of saint francis of assisi he talks about that the 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 heart of franciscanism is recognizing that that this world the the physical world is actually uh a gateway to the spiritual and that they're actually deeply intertwined. And so, you know, when, when a lot of modern folks would separate the sacred and the, the profane, you know, or the spiritual and the physical, Francis wouldn't do that. Um, he would see them as, as intertwined. And you, you see that in the way that, that Rich writes this song. Um, and it's fascinating because I didn't even, I didn't even know, like I said earlier, I didn't even know what the keeper of the plains was. I didn't know mm -hmm. it was a, a statue i think it's in the i looked it up i think it's in the um 
little Arkansas rivers. Uh, okay. They joined together in downtown Wichita. And that's where the statue of um, the keeper of the plains is. And <laughs> because the song is, is so beautiful, it almost, to me, before I knew what that was, it had a mythic quality to yeah. it. Yeah. You know, uh, I imagine the keeper of the plains as, you know, some sort of, uh, you know, in, in Lord of the Rings, there are these levels of, of deities and creatures. And I mm-hmm. sort of imagine him as as one of the the Valar or Maiar, okay. you know, or these yeah. kind of lesser deities. I mean, it just it sounds yeah. so um, epic and, and, yeah. and beautiful. Um, and and just, yeah, to your point, I think his description of place um and that line the fury and the pheasant swings is probably one of my favorite lines i've heard uh in any song that talks about god um because for me nature has always been sort of the the sanctuary for me um you know i serve i serve on sunday mornings in a physical sanctuary um you know one made of of stone and and wood um and it's beautiful and I love it. Um, but it's really only a small part of that, that greater sanctuary that is the world that uh, Barbara Brown Taylor, who's a, a author, uh, talks about an altar in the world and says how all of creation, you know, the whole cosmos is the altar on which God is constantly uh, celebrating uh, communion. And um, that's, that's what Rich is. I mean, he, explicitly talks about that as you know the lord is in his temple you know he is god is in creation god is there god is god is present and you know just like the psalmist says you know we can join our voices with the voices of creation who are are crying out to god and yeah that's why this is probably one of my one of my favorite songs of of riches Mm, yes so that what that makes me think is um as we're exploring this question of vocation is who are we called to be what are we called to do um Mm. is this seems to suggest that um we are called to be um joining in this um liturgy Mm. that god is is Mm. um celebrating um in in the world around us um and maybe uh maybe part of it involves um our ability to just recognize that that God is is doing that that um, God is present everywhere, um, mm. but so often our we we don't recognize that and and I guess in the in the in one in the next song I was hoping to talk about my one thing, um, which we could maybe go to unless there was anything else you wanted yeah. to say. Um, he uh, Rich Mullen says, "Save me from those things that might distract me. Please take them away and purify my heart." Um, I don't want to lose the eternal for the things that are passing. So um, there's an interesting tension there um, between between things that are passing and this um, this deeper s- celebration of communion that that you're and we're describing. That uh, and so and 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 so um, maybe there are, there are things. Um, within us, our sins, our passions, there are things outside of us um, that can distract us from, from this knowledge of, and this um, living into this calling. Um, and, and yeah, it's, I guess it's, it's quite difficult to go about your day 
continually trying to be aware that um, God is everywhere and that God is celebrating. Although maybe that that is a calling to pray without ceasing. Ceasing. Um, it's quite a high calling, I would say. As we, um, but, um, but yeah, that's uh, and so that song, my one thing. It's uh, Rich Mullins is is praying for those who haven't heard it or to remind people it's he's praying that um, or he's saying that God is his one thing and and he wants to make God his one thing even more. Um, and and one thing I thought was interesting is that um, oftentimes when we think about vocation, we think about it in terms of our jobs, um, our um, what we do for security uh, for providing for ourselves also for stat status. And, mm. and I, I would have thought that if Rich Mullins had one thing, I would have probably on first glance said his one thing was writing music or his one thing was performing because that's what we all know him for. But he he didn't see it that way. He, um, mm. I, I mean, even deeper than that, he was serving um, the, the, the poor and the brokenhearted in, I think in Kansas, Kansas as you mentioned, um, and, and which is probably even deeper than his music, but, um, but yeah, he, he didn't see his vocation as his, um, as what he did to earn a, a living, but, um, but just his relationship with God. And and that's just a, a challenging reminder, I think, because for myself, um, you know, that I went to seminary to study writing and ministry. And for, for much of my life, writing has been what I would have said is my thing. Mm. Um, but this challenges me to, um, to see deeper than that, that no, it's, it's not my one. It shouldn't be my one thing. Um, if, if I'm seeking God first and that God is even deeper than that, that it, it, I hope it comes from God and God calls me to use it, but, um, God is still, um, deeper than that. And, um, and so trying to seek that is, um, where I'll find more life. Mm. Amen. I love that. Yeah. Yeah, a friend, a friend of mine once, uh, another musician, actually, who I used to play with, um, I was talking to her about what I was feeling called to go back to seminary, because um, I only only lasted a semester <laughs> when I was with you, because it just, uh, I felt like I still had so much to explore. Um, but so when I discerned a call back to seminary, you know, about four or five years later, um, I was sharing with her my, my sense of call and vocation and, and she sort of paused for, for a moment and she said, you know, will I, I, I think that's great. And I, I love you and I support you. And, and yes, I think that's going to be a great, a great fit for you, but you know, something I always wonder. And I said, what? And she said, sometimes I wonder if our only call our only vocation in life is to be loved by God and share that love with other people. And she said, and then everything else is just details. It's just specifics. It's how that vocation becomes, you know, kind of incarnate in different individuals. But she said, you know, I wonder if our, our, our actual only vocation is to be loved by God and then share that love with others. And that just, man, that, that walloped me, you know, in, mm. in such a profound way. Um, mm. And it reminded me too, that if that's not what I am doing at the heart of my ministry, 
you know, at the heart of my, you know, professional priesthood, because like you said, we're all priests, priesthood of all believers, but at the heart of my professional priesthood, if I am not seeking that vocation, I'm not making God my, my one thing, then I'm actually kind of missing, missing the point. Um, part of me wonders if, if Rich Mullins, uh, I, I'm trying to remember some of, some of his writings, he, he did wrestle with the possibility of taking monastic vows at one point, but he, mm. he basically said he was too much of a coward in his own words. Mm. You know, he did, they, they intimidated him um, a little bit, but I, I think he did. I think he did see himself kind of, you know, as, as a monastic in, in some ways, especially later on in his life. Um, he would spend a lot of time in solitude and just with a small group of, of, of friends and companions um and so i wonder if that if maybe he would have saw that as his vocation you know to just spend mm-hmm. time in prayer and communion with god mm-hmm. yes and i think about how the word monastic comes from monos which means one and mm-hmm. in a sense of they they are alone but the reason they go they are alone is to focus on that one thing and um but both of us are married and we have families. I also have a young son who's a bit younger than your son. Um, he, he's almost eight months now. Oh my but, goodness. Um, but I've been thinking about how um, even as um, parents or as people with families, mm-hmm. um, we too are called to that one thing of, of, um, of God being our one thing. But it, but it plays out differently for us um yeah. as as people in fact like our family is a kind of our little monastery perhaps yeah. that's how i maybe I, how i see it and of course there are other people involved in our lives too our wider communities our churches but um mm. but but we still have a similar um a similar uh calling yeah i mean and parenthood is a vocation in and of yes. itself you yes know? and it's yeah i always that uh, I don't know if this has been your experience, but I mean, it, it does feel like a calling. It does not just, yes. for me, it doesn't just feel like something that happened, but it really felt like something we were called to, to be, to be parents. And uh, it's wonderful and terrifying all at the same time. Well, something else um, I wanted to talk about with this song, My One Thing, is um, in this stanza, um, who have I in heaven but you, Jesus? And uh, what better could I hope to find down here on earth? Uh, I could cross the most distant reaches of this world, but I'd just be wasting my time. Um, I think that kind of reminds me of some of the Psalms. I don't know which one, but... um, whom have I in heaven, but you, God, something like that. And I, mm-hmm. and, um, I think maybe in even some other songs, there are some echoes of the Psalms yes. and, um, and that goes back to what we were saying about, um, how perhaps he's kind of a modern day Psalmist, but not just that, but he's, but he, he references a lot of scripture in his, um, songwritings and also biblical characters. Um, like the next song we'll talk about is Elijah. Um, sure. but beyond that, there, there are other, references and so but especially the psalms um i think um for a lot of christians throughout history the psalms have been kind of that um that source that stream of prayer 
that they would have steeped themselves in. Um, I I came to the UK through um, the Iona Abbey, um, uh, my travels there, and then volunteering there. And one of the things that I learned there was that the the monks, such as Saint Columba, had as their regular practice would be chanting the Psalms. Um, sometimes um, standing in the middle of the sea um, at night, chanting them, chanting them. Um, hopefully, it was the, the climate was a bit warmer back then, but I don't know. <laughs> um, but yeah, the Psalms were just a part of their um, their daily life, and so I, I, and so I wonder if um, if he was kind of tapping into that by um, tapping into that stream, and that comes across through his music. Um, Yes, I thought there was, yeah, I thought that was interesting. And that also touches on um, just as a parenthetical note is that next season, our our podcast theme is Songs of Ascents, Pilgrimage mm -hmm. and Worship. And so um, this this conversation is quite uh, fitting for next season, but um, it also fits for this season because it's about vocation. But I, mm -hmm. I'm just wondering if um, what we can glean from that in terms of our, our calling with regard to the Psalms. Um, yeah. Like we see also Jesus himself, he quotes the Psalms. So the Psalms were a big part of him and, and a part of his, you know, background mindset. And it came across through his, through his speech. And um, I just wonder if there's something there as a source for us as pilgrims um, to find these Psalms as um, kind of not walking sticks, but accompaniments along our journey and um and also sources of nourishment and um and prayer I, I wonder if you've come across that in your work as a priest um yeah absolutely so in anglicanism and in, in all anglican traditions you know whether it's the church of england church of scotland episcopal church anglican church in canada uh, uh anglican church in new zealand i mean we're all over the place that the that the british empire touched at one point or another and um, part of our part of our worship every week is the Psalms, and a lot of us chant the Psalms. And so, uh, that my congregation uh, that I serve now every Sunday, we are assigned a Psalm as part of our our lessons for the day, and we we chant it every every single week. Um, you know, every Sunday throughout the year, and that's been such a a beautiful practice. Um, and it, it's like you said, it's a practice that goes back. Um, a very, very long time. Um, you know, our understanding of, of ancient Judaism is that the, the Psalms were their hymn book. Um, N.T. Wright actually wrote a really good, just kind of a small book on um, sort of recovering the, the Psalms as the church's hymn book. Um, and, you know, I remember learning about that in college and I would go out into our woods. And of course, I didn't, I didn't know any any Anglican chant settings or anything like that, but I would just go out into the woods and I would take a Bible with me and I would just, you know, chant my own, my own tunes to the Psalms. Oh, nice. Um, and that was a really uh, important part of my, my prayer life. And um, yeah, I think we are called to, to pray with the Psalms, to sing with the Psalms. And um, it's clear that Rich did that in his own way by incorporating those images into his own, his own music. When you say that you chanted them, I guess for listeners who might be interested in trying that, like how did that work? Did you just kind of make up um, a, a basic melody to go? And you, did you have a, a psalm book with you that you just um, started 
chanting yeah like just one note or was it several notes just the practicalities of it I'm no wondering. that's a great question um so i would change it up so so <laughs> i wish i had known the forms i know now because they make that a lot easier um so uh, you know the the simple chant form we use now and so let's just in there it's like da 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 da, and so you just use those notes mm. over whatever psalm is, and so you sing through each line, and then you go up, you know, half a step, and then you go up, and then you come back down at the end. Mm. Um, and so, but you can also just do one note, you know, the whole time. Um, but there's a lot of ways to do it, and there are actually online resources available. I will by the end of this podcast, I will let you know what a link to okay to one of um thanks and i'll share that yeah they're great resources out there and as you chant that um I, I just think that it's really wonderful that you are able to use your music and your singing in your priestly ministry i don't think that's something that um every that's that every church does obviously a chanting i mean most churches will sing of course but yeah. um chanting is a little different um I know mm -hmm. that in my experience of attending um, Eastern Orthodox Divine Liturgies, it's also mm -hmm. very, every pretty much everything is chanted, um, mm -hmm. and and so so in it seems like in some of the Anglican tradition, the um, Orthodox tradition, I think I don't know too much about the Catholic after um, that Vatican too. Okay, yeah. um, but it seems that the the role of the priest in all of these traditions is to be singing um mm -hmm. and and I'm, I'm just wondering i wasn't planning to ask this but if you could I, I don't know if we could brainstorm together is what is that connection between priesthood and singing and and not mm -hmm. just for ordained priests but mm -hmm. for all the priesthood of all believers too because as we said in calling out your name song he rich mullins is um embodying that role as well as the priest singing and offering these things to creation. So I'm, I mean, do you have any thoughts on that is what is the connection between singing and, and yeah. um, our calling as universal priests? I love that. Yeah. That's such a great question. And and so then I had thought about before is um, for anyone who's listening, who's read other Lord of the Rings or the Chronicles of, of Narnia, um, you know, those are kind of my, <laughs> Kind of my my uh, favorite book series, um, but in both in both of those those series, um, the world is created through song. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so in in Lord of the Rings, it's it's the song composed by Eero Luvatar, who's kind of the deity figure, and then the mm -hmm. Valar are the kind of lesser deities. They're singing the world into existence, and in and in Narnia, it's Aslan singing the world into existence, and I and I love that that idea of creation from, from both C.S. Lewis and, and J.R.R. Tolkien, because it, it implies that music is woven throughout the fabric of the universe. Mm. And um, I would say that there is something deeply ancient and spiritual about song. Um, and so, and so I think part of our vocation as the priesthood of all believers, you know, and some of us have this idea that, well, we don't, we don't sing or, you know, we don't have good voices, but, you know, everyone can, can sing a single note, you know, and that's what a lot of, mm. a lot of traditional chanting is. It's just a, a single note. Mm. Um, 
and to find the note that that works for us. Um, and I think that when we when we do that, we we do tap into that music that is woven through the fabric of of creation, um, mm-hmm. which is yeah really beautiful. Yes, yeah, and that fa- like that fat weaving in that fabric kind of calls back to what you said earlier about how um, th- this belief that God is celebrating all around us, and so yeah. so maybe um, and maybe our worship in church is kind of a um, not just preparation, but also um, it reveals mm-hmm. to us how mm-hmm. we can participate even during the week, like when we're if if we ever. Um, have the urge to just um there's there's a nice i'm just thinking about some woods near where i live and mm. I, like to, I like to go walking there um especially when i have um well well with my family we go my wife and our son we like to go there but also if i have any just something i'm wrestling with a question that i have uh, and i have some time to go I, it's just a place to go and um, i don't know if i've I, I do actually sing when um sometimes when i'm walking with caleb down um the railway line trying to sing him to sleep Mm. Um, I found that to be uh, an occasion, but, um, but even just thinking about this encouragement that, um, we can sing and chant, um, anything, um, like the Psalms or a a prayer that we might have that in doing that, maybe we are also kind of joining in that, that music that's, and that celebration that's going on. Um, and, and so, yeah. And, um, and I think of, um, there was a, a fellow student of ours at ESR, ESR named Luce, uh, and she, I remember something she said is that um, um, singing it, when you're singing, you're praying twice because mm-hmm. um, you are, you're not only praying the words as if you were speaking them, but there's an, there's a deeper dimension with that comes with the music. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. And, I guess was there anything else you wanted to talk about on this song, my one thing? The only other connection I I saw, um, obviously, is reference to the Sermon on the Mount and Sermon on the Plain. You know, the pure in heart shall see God. You know, Jesus saying, "Blessed are the mm-hmm. are the pure in heart." Um, and something that stuck out to me in this this idea of of latching on to God as as one thing, St. Augustine had this quote that says, our, our hearts are restless until they, until they rest in God. And so um, Augustine had this idea that we, we are just constantly restless and wondering our whole lives and, until the point we recognize that our, our longing, what we're actually looking for is God and we want to rest in who God is. And um, for me, that, that really speaks to, to this song. And I think what what Rich is, is talking about, he's he's recognizing that resting in God is his vocation, mm. you know, seeking God, you know, seek you in the morning. <laughs> we'll do that one. <laughs> seek you in the morning. Um, and I think, yeah, I think this is him acknowledging that he has that restlessness in himself. And then he knows if he can, he can make God his one thing and acknowledge that. And he knows that uh, his heart's desire will actually be fulfilled mm-hmm. thank you yeah and um the question that comes to my mind from that is how do we get to that point of making um god our resting in god and and i wonder if um it's not it, it, he seems to describe that it is it is a struggle because in this song he says every night and day and every day you hold on tight or you drift away 
and you're left to live with the choices you make. Oh Lord, please give me the strength to watch and work and love and sing and pray. And so maybe he's saying that um, that getting to that point of resting in God is a daily struggle. And um, maybe we will never get there until we are home with him fully. But um, but it's not something that we can expect to, it will come easy. Mm-hmm. Um, but but the, we have some tools like to watch and work and love and sing as we were saying yeah. and pray. Those are ways that we maybe can can uh, get to that place of resting in God, even if momentarily um, before the distractions come back or before life comes back. And But at least if we can get that foothold, maybe it becomes easier again later on. Um, and, and, and I think, um, something that, uh, Rich Mullins seems to maybe balance well is, um, there's that struggle element, but in another song that if we have time to talk about, uh, if, if I stand, um, Mm. I really get the sense that, um, for Rich Mullins, there's this bedrock of God's mercy and grace that just, um, comes before any effort that we do to try to get to that point of rest that even if we fall um, or even if we fail at resting in God on one day, there's still that, you know, uh, like foundational um, grace that um, will catch us and that will strengthen us and build us up. I I just, that's just the kind of sense I get of him that he was always depending on that um, kind of like um, an acrobat's um, kind of the net to catch the acrobat in case something goes wrong. Um, but yeah, um, mm. well, the next song was that we were planning to talk about was Elijah. So, um, yes. so yeah, um, that one. So in in case our our listeners don't know, um, he um, Rich Mullins sings that the Jordan is waiting for me to cross through. My heart is aging. I can tell. So Lord, I'm begging for one last favor from you. Here's my heart. Take it where you will. And um, and it basically in the chorus, that's really gets at the heart of it. But when I leave, I want to go out like Elijah with a whirlwind to fuel my chariot of fire. And when I look back on the stars, it'll be like a candlelight in Central Park and it won't break my heart to say goodbye. So he's looking forward um, to looking in the future kind of to his his path, his death and mm. and saying he wants when he when he dies, he wants to die like Elijah did. Um and he so it's interesting that he's kind of he he's thinking so deeply about the end of his life and um and I just yeah. I'm curious about this I don't know what I mean I know a little bit about some of the things that went into the song but the deeper sense of why was he writing this song like what compelled him to write about wanting to go out like Elijah because and and why 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 Elijah as well um I'm not saying you have the answers to that but that's just some of the things I wonder about with this song. Yeah, it's it's postulated that he may have had an illness, um, an undisclosed mm. illness. Okay. Uh, that that sort of <laughs> overlaid on his already existential tendencies to <laughs> to muse on his mortality. Um, you know, we don't we don't know that obviously for sure, but it's some folks have have wondered that, mm. um, and I've I've read that kind of in some articles. Um, okay about him um he also you know he he he's fascinating because he he both has um 
he has a sense that heaven is is here and present and he also has a sense that it's somewhere else and you know normally in theology we go one of two ways you know we either go in the heaven is somewhere else you know we have what's called a very dispensationalist view of kind of heaven and earth or we you know we tend to think of of earth as as the new creation that god is is forming and that's kind of where i i lean towards but he kind of held both uh both of those intention together and he had a real um apologize to listeners for using seminary terms but eschatological understanding you know um eschatology means the the theology of the the final destination you know of of humanity and and the cosmos and um he just he he was waiting for that you hear that in 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 bluegrass music a lot you know Mm. in like the song i'll fly away yeah you know or um this world is not my home and i'm just passing through you know, you hear those, those themes and, and a lot of folk and bluegrass music, which I know he was, he was acquainted pretty well acquainted with. Um, and so he does have that longing for, for that day when he will, you know, be taken out of this loneliness and this despair that he often experiences and, and possibly illness, um, as well. And so I think, I think all of that kind of plays into his thinking about, about death and mortality and, you know, kind of where, where he ends up, he, he joked in one concert about how, um, you know, we all kind of wash up on, on God's shores one day. And, um, you know, his goal was to wash up, not perfect and clean, but, but tattered from life, you know, um, beaten and broken down from experiencing, you know, life in all of its fullness and all of its wounds. And he said, God, God would recognize him washing up on the shore uh, because you would see him in one of his his trademark sweaters that he, he used to oh, wear. He's, okay, yeah, um, lots of holes and, and kind of raggedy kind of. Yeah, and they were. I think they were like alpacas. I mean, they were. He's really just kind of, and they're always really, really visually uh, intriguing too. They're always you okay. know, colorful. Oh, okay, uh, okay. He, he was known for wearing these sweaters, and he he would wear them out. Um, but so he said, you know, God would. God would recognize him washing up on the shore because he would see the the sweater floating up in the ocean. Well, certainly, just... certainly, we would recognize him in those sweaters. <laughs> yes, if you've ever if seen, we, if we were there, absolutely. Mm. Yes. Yeah, and I was thinking about. Um, yeah well first of all that that kind of rawness that you described there um in in some some of the lines he says sometimes my ground was stony and sometimes covered up with thorns and only you could make it what it had to be um and that kind of reference with what you were saying about his self-deprecation a little bit as well but he i think he was really honest and it shows honesty and a a self-awareness of the different um the different conditions of his heart and um and 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 so because of that, we too can recognize that in ourselves too. Um, and then also thinking about the character of Elijah, how um, I thought that was an interesting um, character for him to choose to write about. In one, I like I think for me the most memorable um, story of Elijah's life is when he's running away from um, 
from persecution and he feels alone like uh, he doesn't think that there's anyone else who's serving god and he's afraid for his life and then god provides for him with the with the ravens and and then god uh, meets him in this still small voice um and i wonder if um rich mullins could relate to that too with his own loneliness um yeah. uh, but then but then the, the image of this song that he picks up on is the the whirlwind um of uh, and the the chariot of fire and and I, and maybe what i just think about is he he wants to have it sounds like he wants to have a similar ending that elijah had um um maybe not because he want he wants to have the the um the glory that elijah experienced although that might be part of it but to me it's also because elijah lived such a life of radical faithfulness and um to god that that's why god did take him up in that way and so maybe rich wanted to live that kind of life so that um uh and to have that kind of death that, that but that kind of shows that he had lived that life um because it seems that a lot of characters in the bible and even like the saints throughout christian history we often think about their death as somehow reflecting how they live their lives in some ways like you know in um um the the belief that many of the saints are incorruptible for instance, their 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 bodies are incorruptible. That shows that they that they lived a, a life of holiness. That God has maybe blessed the, their bodies in that way. But and but I you hear other stories of um, how saints die, and it often seems to be that that is a reflection of how God was working through them. Um, and maybe that's where Rich Mullins is also trying to 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 touch on. Yeah, I think that's spot on. Yeah, I think you're, I think that, yeah, that rings true for me as well. Mm. Well, and well, let's go on to the next song then. Um, if I stand. Um, so we, we talked about uh, this a little bit. I was mentioning how, um, how it seems that there's a net that a net of God's grace that he, that uh, Rich Mullins identifies. And I'll just read the, the stanza that I was referring to. So if I stand, let me stand on the promise that you will pull me through. And if I can't, let me fall in the grace that first brought me to you. And if I sing, let me sing for the joy that has borne in me these songs. And if I weep, let it be as a man who is longing for his home. Hmm. So there's a lot there to talk about. Um, and I, I, I hope I'm not like just um, kind of taking away anything that you're going to say. But um, just I'll, I'll go first. So the the first thing is i mentioned the net so what i see there is even if he so standing is it kind of um it's kind of an active thing to do um especially if you're standing for a long time you get tired and you might want to sit and rest but mm. um so there is that there's that activity that he's doing but um he also recognizes if he can't stand then at least let him fall on the grace that first brought him to god so if he fails, he's trying to rely on God's help. And then there's also a really mixture of emotions. Like if I sing, let me sing for the joy that is born in me, these songs. But then after that joy is if I weep, let it be as a man who is longing for his home. And whenever I hear him singing that line, it's I can really feel that just longing and that almost pain that he that he just uh, sings. That So that's one of the, I think that's one of the unique qualities of his music is his voice and how you can feel him, you can mm. feel him, his emotions through his voice. Um, 
but yeah, overall, just um, in all of those lines, I just it seems that he relies on on God's grace. Mm. Yeah, and I love the after that that first stanza. I said, "There's more that dances on the prairies than the wind, more that pulses in the ocean than the tide." There's a love that is fiercer than the love between friends, more gentle than a mother's when her baby is at her side. And I think he's talking about, I mean, to a point that that net of grace, you know, that is that is there, that love of God, that tenderness of God that always exists to support us um, when we do inevitably stumble along the way. Um I know in, you know, in, in Brendan Manning's life, who was a really profound mentor to, to Rich um, for a long time, um, you know, grace is, is sort of the theme of, of his writing. Um, and grace was really, I mean, in, in a lot of ways, grace was kind of the heart of the, the Protestant Reformation, you know, was uh, uh, someone, I, I think it was, yeah, Brendan Manning described um or he quoted someone describing the the Reformation as, you know, these um, theologians and 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 professors and and monks and priests, kind of going down into the basement and discovering these barrels of you know well aged grace and just drinking from them, you know, deeply. Um, and it's this idea that there is always this this grace that exists. Um, to kind of to kind of fuel us and uh, i love that image, um in this song and also his recognition that mm-hmm. he's talking about place right he's talking about the prairies he's talking about the wind mm. he's talking about the ocean but he's saying that there's there's more going on there than just the the physical things right there's this this love that is greater this love that is is fiercer um this love that is that is more gentle. And so it's kind of, it's kind of saying that all of these things that we experience here point us to the God who is beyond all of those things, you know, kind of both within and beyond. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, you talked about earlier image you used was kind of a net to catch the acrobat. Um, Another image I've, I've used is sort of creation as a, as a trampoline, you know, um, we, we jump on a trampoline to, to go into the air and being in the air is our actual experience of, of God. Um, but creation is sort of what, mm. what gets us there. You know, we, mm. we can't quite jump the same way on our own, you know, as we can on a, on a trampoline. <laughs> um, and that's what, that's what enables us to, to get there and experience God, you know? Yeah, and it's interesting, both of us being um, worshiping in more liturgical traditions, I think of how um, so much of the, our worship involves elements of creation. With commu- communion, it's obviously bread and wine. Um, with baptism, it's water, um, oil for anointing. And often, I don't know about you, but in, in the churches that I attend, there's... Um, Oftentimes, people bring flowers up to mm-hmm. um, to decorate the churches and um, or to decorate um, icons or or yeah. the the stained glass windows. Um, somehow, um, 
um, this is a different conversation because yeah. there there are those who would, who would try to um, connect with God apathetically without yes. those things. Um, yeah. uh, and that's interesting that we both attended a Quaker seminary. Uh, <laughs> yeah, very <as> well. <laughs> yeah, and which which um, but what we're describing right now is it seems is the is how uh, the is how God um, created and and the, the incarnation how christ yeah. became became flesh and blessed this created world and um became a bridge from this world to god and so that so just reflecting on on that and how yeah. um and how also we were describing how that that liturgical um celebration is ta is taking place beyond sunday morning at church too yeah. but maybe that's our for me at least my experience that's how i can um get tuned to to it's through the, the the worship on Sunday that I can get tuned to see that in the in the week um but it, of course it shouldn't stop there it shouldn't stop on Sunday that's not it doesn't it's not supposed to be contained to that I I love that language you use because I mean I mean literally and I and I, I'm not making this up literally every Sunday uh we pray with the liturgical ministers before the service starts folks who carry the the candles and the cross. And I always say, gracious and loving God, we give you thanks for this day. Tune our hearts and minds <laughs> to your presence among us today. And it's that idea of, yeah, I mean, there's a, a frequency, you know, that we can get tuned up to. Um, and it is what, what Rich would describe as that net of grace, you know, that, that catches us. And uh, creation is the, the doorway to all those things. Well, let's now turn to the last song that we were going to talk about, Sometimes by Step. Yeah. Um, quite a well-known song. I think most churches, if they sing this, they'll just sing the, the chorus. Um, yes. <laughs> not not the verses. But, um, um, but yes, I at the, there was a church that I was going to before going to ESR, and, and that was... Uh, one of my one of the songs that I connected with, and before I knew who Rich Mullins was, this was the song, um, that that I, yeah, really, that, well, this song really connected with me. Um, one of the lines that that I just really that really resonates with me is um, is in the very beginning. Sometimes the night was so beautiful. Sometimes the sky was so far away. Sometimes it seemed to stoop so close you could touch it, but your heart would break. That line that um, mm. I, I don't know exactly what he's describing, but um, maybe it, he's intentionally not being specific. But like some of the other songs we talked about, it's almost as if he's trying to put language to an experience that is just beyond us. But it evokes something that kind of maybe like a trampoline too. It it mm. it it boosts us up to that place of mystery that we couldn't mm. get without these words or these images. Um, yeah that that's just a powerful poetic line for me it is yeah and um and then in another uh stanza but but well the heart of the song is um that god is our god and that's another line from the psalms oh god you are my god uh, and then and then as you mentioned as i and i will seek you in the morning i will learn to walk in your ways it's kind of like a song of recommitment to god i think and wanting to just recognizing he's a pilgrim on this journey and he wants to to be faithful day by day um as abraham was called to leave his land uh the land of his his fathers to a new place 
um, he's on this journey. So, um, so very much in line with what we've been talking about as well. And, um, um, being on this pilgrimage towards God and, um, and in these songs perhaps being a way that we, that can accompany us on our journey that can strengthen us, um, to keep going. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, we, in, in American Christianity, especially, um, I think we have this notion of, uh, salvation as being, uh, a one-time event when we, uh, accept that, that Christ has, has died for us. Um, and we, you know, invite Christ into our hearts. And then that is kind of the moment of, of us being saved. And what I love about how, how rich I think sort of pushes on that a little bit, because that's the culture he, he comes from in a lot of ways. Um, describing mm -hmm. Christianity as a, as a journey, you know, in this, this sense that we are constantly, you know, being saved by God in, in countless ways, you know, we're constantly um, stumbling. We're, I mean, it's, it's a, it's a journey. It's, I mean, it's, mm -hmm. it's a, mm -hmm. uh, it's a hike. And I mean, Jesus, Jesus describes himself as a way, you know, I am the way and the truth and the life. And, and, yeah. and so to, you know, to be a Christian originally, you were called a follower of the way, a follower of the way of Jesus. And I, and I love that, that phrase. And I still use that for myself because it, it reminds me that it is the step-by-step -step journey that, you know, the actual, <laughs> the actual uh, process of, of being a person of faith is, is a daily walk, a daily recommitment, um, mm -hmm. and it's a journey that is going to continue throughout our whole life. And we are never, we are never going to arrive fully, you know, on this side of eternity, but we are going to catch glimpses. Um, and I think a lot of Rich's songs come from those moments of, of catching glimpses, you know, of, of what, you know, the Celtic Christians would call encountering those thin spaces in the world, you know, like Iona, you know, you, you had a chance to live in one of those thin spaces, mm. which is pretty mm -hmm. incredible. Um, but yeah, it's a journey. It's not, um, at least on this side of eternity, it's not a destination. Yes. Yes. Which on one hand is terrifying. And on the other hand is really liberating because it means that we can kind of be patient with ourselves and accept God's grace for us that, we're constantly works in progress and we mm. don't have all figured out perfectly at, at any given time. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, well, I'm just, as you mentioned that um, I'm just thinking about, um, and, and that's a good place to finish. I think that um, this recognition of this journey that we are on. Um, and I just think about in Richmond where, where we were studying, there's this um, Avenue, I guess it's kind of like a, a path called the, the Cardinal Greenway. Mm -hmm. And um, I remember we, we rode our bikes down it once, but yeah. there's, it's just a, it's a path where people will walk or ride their bikes. Um, and, and it goes, I think it's 60 miles from Richmond to, was it Muncie? Um, yeah, what? Indiana. And, um, and, and along the way, um, there are these parks that you can stop, stop on um, to, um, to maybe to, to, to enjoy the scenery or to just re to refresh and um but um but just that's just the image that comes to mind as you describe this pilgrimage that we're on and um 
So thank you, Will. It's been really good to talk with you and to to unpack these songs. Um, and and uh, is there anything, any final thoughts or anything that you'd like to share about um, any work that you do that uh, or um, that you might want listeners to know about or anything like that or how they can find your music or anything like that? Uh, my music is not <laughs> publicly available. Okay. I should probably check that. Um, so I might work on that. Um, yeah, if you want to find out more about uh, where I serve, you can go on resurrectionky.org. Um, and that's my church's website. You can find our streaming services, a little bit about um, myself and a little bit about um, kind of what our, our context is within within the Christian community. But thank you. Thank you so much for having me, Josh. It's been absolute pleasure to, to reconnect and, and journey through this together. Thank you. Yes, thank you too, Will. And um, hopefully we are carrying on this pilgrimage together in spirits towards the kingdom of God. We, we didn't finish the Cardinal Greenway, but we're finishing hopefully this race that we are on together towards God. Yeah, no, I don't think we ever finished the <laughs> Cardinal Greenway. <laughs> Now I'd like to share some final thoughts, tying our conversation back to our theme of vocation. I'm struck by the image of Rich Mullins as a poet-priest, a poetic priest, a priestly poet, offering to God the beauty of creation and even his pain and his very heart in the form of song. I'd like to think this is an image of who we too are called to be, whether we can sing or think we can't, whether we can write music or not, using whatever gifts, abilities we have to offer ourselves and our world continually to God in prayer and blessing God and the world through that posture of worship. Rich Mullins illustrates this most clearly, I think, in the song Calling Out Your Name, where he describes the prairies calling out God's name and then, at the end of the song, joins them, even perhaps joining the worship that is taking place in heaven. This, I think, is an invitation for us to join too. And as I mentioned earlier, I expect that in our next season, Forecast will explore further this invitation to join in the worship of God, the celebration, the liturgy that is already happening. One last thought. This season, we've usually talked about vocation in the direction of God calling us. But today's conversation suggests that vocation also goes in the other direction. Our calling is to call upon God. That's what Mullins did, and in doing so, 
he received strength to press on in his pilgrimage towards God and live into the priestly calling offered to all of us, one that reflects Christ, the great high priest. I will now close with a few passages from Psalm 138 that express this calling. I believe these lines also express what took place in Mullen's life as he channeled his pain and joy into songs of worship to God. When I called, you answered me. You made me bold and stout-hearted. The Lord will fulfill his purpose for me. Your love, Lord, endures forever. Do not abandon the works of your hands. If you enjoyed today's episode, be sure to share it with someone else you think would appreciate it too. We'd love to hear from you, so do get in touch by emailing us at foreshadowmagazine at gmail.com or connecting on various social media platforms. You can also visit foreshadowmagazine.com to read new writings and listen to other work posted every week. We are getting ready to wrap up this season of Foreshadow, ending in the beginning of November, and we'll take a break until the early next year when we begin our new season. But until then, stay tuned for another forecast when Will Shine and I will recap this season as well as uh, a forecast after that, which will serve as a bridge between this season and the next. And we may or may not have some bonus content around Christmas time. Thanks for listening. That's the forecast for today.